Your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then at 7.39, difficult to know with our next guest whether it's a case of art imitating life or life imitating art or, or somewhere in between. Dr. Mae Jemison has a remarkable story. The first African-American woman to go into space. She also uh, was both inspired by and then appeared on Star Trek in one of its incarnations. But she did many of her finest achievements, such as being born, but also going into space in a monkey year. And as a personal year of the monkey myself, I wanted to uh, celebrate her life this morning as we ourselves enter this year of the red monkey, as it's known. Good morning to you from Seoul, Dr. Jemison. Good morning. Great to have and you with yes, us. And yes, I was born in the year of the monkey. Yes, we won't say which year. Um, <laughs> I, I think we can just be united in our, in our monkey nature. It does get worrying, doesn't it, these 12-year cycles when people start guessing um, what year you were born when you tell them your sign. But d just first off, on that light-hearted note, did this uh, Lunar New Year cycle mean anything to you? Were you even aware, for example, that you went up to space in a monkey year, the same sign as when you were born? Was that significant? No, I was not aware of that. So I have another thing to add to why that year was so interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was 1992. Then it was 1993 yes. that you were on Star Trek The Next Generation, which must That's have correct. felt very odd to you, having done the real deal, and then you find yourself pretending to do the real deal. Well, you know what was really interesting about being on The Next Generation is because it sort of brought things full cycle because two things happened. As a little kid watching Star Trek, I recognized that here was a world that was being envisioned that was very inclusive, that humans had made it through um, the nuclear war and all of the things that could have kept us on this planet and that we were very hopeful and it was a very hopeful future. So as a young child, um, that was really wonderful because it confirmed something I always believed, that my desire to be involved with space, my desire to be in science, my desire to explore, other people shared that dream and thought I could do it as well. And so when I went up into space, that was really wonderful. Um, in fact, I used to open my sessions with all hailing frequencies are open because Nichelle Nichols, who had <laughs> played Lieutenant Uhura, was a very good friend of mine. Wow. And the appearance on Star Trek just sort of pulled it all together because here was, for me, a validation of an incredible program that, again, is a hopeful future that makes us think about the world, not just in terms of science fiction and how fast can you go, but really in terms of the social issues and the commentary on our times. It, it seems like it might be an obvious answer, but for Star Trek fans, it might not be that obvious. How did going to space for real compare with starring in Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> They're, they're completely different things, right? Yeah. The, the most you have to worry about when you're in the set of Star Trek is falling down or missing your lines. But did you sort of get into your character and draw on your own experiences as, a, as an astronaut? Well, 
I suppose you do. I mean, my character was a, a transport operator, so you know, you're you're there, you're very focused, you're operational. So I drew from that. I drew from a lot of the work that I've done before, mm. and also in the past, I have. Uh, done a lot of performing arts as a dancer yes. all the while I was in college and high school and medical school. So, so you, you had fun. this artistic side to your personality or a, a performer inside you, but but that would be doing you an injustice to, to leave it there because you've also got this whole medical background. And in fact, you know, you, you might have just gone down the medical path completely if, if NASA hadn't... Um, approached you to join their program when you were with the Peace Corps, I understand. Well, you know, I would love to say that NASA came and found me. Right. But it was really, I applied to NASA. But they, and they was at fortunate least a... enough to be selected for the program. Okay. Um, I worked, I've, uh, my background is that I'm a chemical engineer uh, by training, as well as majoring in African and African American studies. So I did a lot of work in uh, political science and linguistics, as well as a lot of chemistry and, and engineering mechanics and physics and things like that. But the reason I did it and the reason I went on to medical school afterwards is because I wanted to be involved in this field called biomedical engineering, which at the time I was going to school, so of course I'm going to date myself again, was a new field. And so um, I, um, I was sort of making it up as I go. And when I finished with um, medical school and finished with residency, our internship kind of programs, I decided to go to West Africa and to work for a couple of years because you learn so much about yourself when you're in a different environment. And it was something that I enjoyed. And that's, um, I was looking at that as something that was just an, uh, a, a, an experience that I yeah. needed to have. And so I did that. And when I came back, I applied to the astronaut program and I was selected. Yeah. So they uh, responded positively, at least, to your application uh, to stretch <laughs> yes, the, the definition of the word approach. Uh, but uh, thank you for your modesty on that. But still, you found yourself then in a situation which would be life-changing for anybody going into space. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, a lot of other people have pointed at your story and said, well, you know, this is uh, somebody from this racial background, this is somebody from this gender, breaking these firsts. Were those things in your mind at the time, or were you more nervous about just getting through the space experience first? You mean applied, or when I w when literally went up in the shuttle? When you literally went up in the shuttle. Was it on your mind that you were the first African-American woman to travel in space, or... Were you just too nervous to, or excited to think about that? Well, it wasn't on my mind. I was doing my job. I've sort of been um, in a different number of different places. So for me, it was kind of interesting because I would have never even imagined as a little girl that I would be the first uh, African-American woman to go into space. Or in fact, I was the first woman of color in the entire world to go into space, which was mind-boggling to me. Because as a little girl, I figured that we would have all kinds of people in space by the time I ever got old enough to do it. Mm. And so that wasn't what was on my mind. I was fully aware, hey, I have a particular job to do. I want to do the best job I can for the researchers that are on the ground. I want to pay attention. And, yes, I want to be able to share my story and the things that happen when I get back. And 
and so there is a responsibility that you have, but that responsibility that you have as, you know, the first woman or the first person of color, but actually anybody who has the good fortune of being involved with space exploration, you have a responsibility to come back and include other people. Mm. And that's really a lot around the work that I do right now and the work that I've done since I left NASA, which is around science literacy. How do we get more people involved? How do we um, make science more accessible, social responsibility? And particularly now with the work with 100-Year Starship, um, which is about... Um, how do we use a very, very difficult challenge in space exploration going to another star to push us forward in um, who we are here on Earth? Yeah, so 100-year starship is something that you've been involved with and really is your big effort to do exactly what you said is necessary for human beings of all backgrounds who go to space to then contribute something on their return. Can you just sum up for us briefly what you think is the realistic future of space exploration for ordinary people or people from all different backgrounds? So, you know, here's the reality. Right now, probably most of the people who are listening to this radio program are already using space technology, are already heavily involved with space exploration in ways that they don't know because they're using cell phones with global positioning satellite systems on it, right? They have the maps, and they have all of these things. Even the miniaturization really came from... Um, the early space program where there was this push to make things smaller. People have had magnetic resonance imaging, right, MRIs, mm. where uh, the same algorithms that are used to um, decipher signals that uh, we look at planets like Venus and the surface, they're used to help decipher the signals and make the pictures that come out of this strong magnet to make pictures of the inside of your body. So we've been impacted by space exploration. And, and we will continue to be so. What 100-Year Starship proposes is that we're going to push on radical innovation, radical leaps in innovation, because the challenges of going to another star are completely different than from going to Mars, mm-hmm. than from going to the moon, uh, because you, the distance and the time are so great that you're really looking at autonomous systems. We have to figure out about sustainability, real sustainability. Um, we have to figure out how to recycle and reuse materials. We have to figure out a lot about generating enormous amounts of energy um, and controlling it. We have to do that through fission, yes. uh, fusion, our antimatter. And if we just go a small way to doing that, all of a sudden we change what's happening here on Earth. Imagine being able to generate that kind of energy well, to get at the same time, make sure that we control it and use it here. It changes things. Or if we're able to understand our microbiome, you know, all of our body has all this bacteria uh, and small microbes that are essential for our life, but we don't understand much about it. We have to understand a whole lot more about it if we go deeper into space. Dr. Jameson. And those are the kinds of pieces. We believe that pursuing the extraordinary tomorrow really drives us to create this better future this better world today. That's the piece, not being shy. And in fact, our proposal that one was called an inclusive, audacious journey transforms life here on Earth and beyond. Well, best of luck with those efforts. Hugely inspiring. And you 
look and sound so youthful that uh, you've obviously stumbled across uh, something else in all that, that having this kind of zest for life uh, is, is very life-affirming and uh, life-giving. Dr. Mae Jameson, best of luck. Thank you so much. And uh, any other fellow human beings listening now here on Earth who were born in the year of the monkey, or any year for that matter, feel free to get in touch via email, efmthismorning at gmail.com.